Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiga, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free. The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free, and Michelle. This is Captain America, and we need to defeat apocalypse. I am so excited that we have Sam Hatmaker, who was a product manager at Toy Biz beginning in 2001. Right at the dawn of Marvel Legends. Like I and 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 he's like a, a figure from like your history with Marvel. And therefore, he's like a figure in like our origin story since you started working there. Right. As we were like MySpace friends. I'm just I'm so excited. I, I I'm really looking forward to to finally having a conversation with this guy. Yeah, well, for those at home who don't know, Flink and I met talking on the Foosh, and then we transitioned into, like, IRL, for as IRL as you can be, you know, in 2005, talking about Legends, but we were MySpace friends. And so I would go to Marvel, and I would report back to Flink and be like, oh my god, they have this, this, and that. And one of the people there was Sam Hatmaker, and he was such a character. He was so warm, so welcoming. And 20 years later, well, not 20 years, but like 16 years later, we have him on Power of X-Men today. Coming full circle, full circle. Full circle. And we have so many like juicy little tidbits. We talk about, you know, female figures at the time, how they were packed and distributed. We talk about the chase figures. We talk about some unreleased things that he had in his house. It's just such a wonderful interview. But since I've been moving and you've been busy uh, with the world's most awesome job, we haven't had a chance to talk about the engine of vengeance has lab, not getting funded in particular, Madeline Pryor. Not I am going it. to need a moment of silence from the fan community for our fallen goblin queen. Wait, what did okay, you call no, her? Seriously. Wait, Our what did you call Fallen Goblin Queen. Oh, Goblin Queen. I, I thought you said Falcon Queen. I was like, what? Oh my God. What? Is that what we're going to call her? Silence has ended. Like, silence has oh, no. ended. Okay. Yeah, okay no, I mean, listen, I knew from the get, as somebody who has followed, you know, I backed the two failed Star Wars HasLab campaigns. So once I saw the numbers start to slide, despite the confirmation of Maddie, I, I knew that we were in for, for, for heartbreak and I like had to emotionally detach myself from it after, well, okay. First of all, that was a week after uh, I spent the entire week refreshing the HasLab website and seeing just seeing the numbers go down by the dozens, then the hundreds. And then I think in the end we lost like well over a thousand backers. Uh, it was really disheartening. And I, I, I wish we had some sort of assurances that Maddie and Damon and Mephisto were going to come some other way. I think that's the most heartbreaking thing is obviously for X-Men fans like us, the Madeline Pryor figure is a huge dream. Uh, and just to see her and to have her be, I mean, you saw her in, per in person. Oh, she was she just gorgeous. Absolutely perfect. And just to have that carrot dangled uh, and not get it. It's 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 upsetting, and 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 that's coming from somebody who backed the car before before Madeline was even announced because I'm a Robbie Wright fan. So that's true. 
You did. But you it, urged it, me to do it, and I lied to you saying I would, but I didn't until Maddie was announced. I mean, they found a way, and I think that that I think that is kind of what turned everybody off. Is because it seems I think a lot of people interpreted, you know, the addition of tears like Mephisto and Maddie as Hasbro finding a way to get people to invest in something that they wouldn't otherwise invest in, and I think that that just left a really bad taste in people's mouth. I wanted it either way. I was all in and all excited from the get, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. I hope they can find another way. Well, so I've gotten so many DMs about it and people are like, no, don't worry. We're going to get Maddie and all this stuff. I, I do believe we will get Mephisto because the rumor is Sasha Baron Cohen has been casted. That is a legit rumor. It is practically confirmed from what I can hear. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But they, there are plans for Mephisto in the future. So I, I do believe we will see Mephisto somehow in the Legends line. But Maddie, I don't know. I'm worried. And and I I, I said this on the YouTube breakdown uh, of of what happened, because I don't know this. Are they going to make her and Damien an example? It, are, it, like, hey, you didn't fund it. That's it. You're not getting Madeline Pryor. You're not getting, you know, the son of Satan. You're not going right. to. I, I, I find it hard to believe Robbie Reyes or Mephisto won't come out and maybe they can be the outliers. But I think characters like Maddie, I'm worried that she will be the example of. From what you've seen, because I think you're a little, you're, you're very much more versed in this than I am. Do you think that it's a real possibility we won't see her, or do you think it's a possibility we will see her? I think it's a possibility we won't. I mean, we haven't gotten any of the uh, tiers that were announced for the Rancor for Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. It's been about two years. I feel, I, you know, what is time? I have no real concept. It feels like it's been about two years. Um, I feel like you, me, and Daryl were talking about it way back in the day uh, of the Generations of X days. But I, 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 we haven't gotten any of that. None of that has materialized. And I think that a reason that that particular has not failed is because people weren't impressed with the tears. And they tried to save that by showing a digital rendering of like the Rainfort Keeper, um, which everybody said should have been a tear announced alongside the Rainfort. And I, I, I agree with that, that they never actually had a prototype. They never actually produced it. So I, I, you know, it, I guess it's less weird that it has never shown up. So there, I don't know that it's like a, you know, a one for one example that we can really compare the two. That's the most comparable HasLab. The only other HasLabs that have failed have been the Star Wars um, four sister lightsaber from from uh, Obi Wan um, and the the life size Cookie Monster uh, puppet that that also failed. So. The, the closest example we have is the Rancor and none of those tiers have, have made it out. So I, I think there's good reason to be nervous that Maddie will also never see the light of day. But, you know, when, when characters like Shriek or, or White Rabbit can, can find homes single-carded in a Spider-Man Legends wave, I just can't imagine Madeline Pryor, especially now that she's about to be hyped up front and center in, in a Marvel event um that that we won't see her i i hope we will i really do so i moved down to florida and i have a car now well i temporarily am borrowing my dad's car and in it in the glove compartment he has this little like hammer and I'm like what the fuck is this little hammer do you, I, i'm curious do you have a little hammer in your car do you know where i'm going with I, this I, I do not have a okay little hammer so apparently because we're florida like people drive into canals and it's a real possibility that your car could get submerged and you're going to need to find a way out so you have this little hammer where you can hit the glass and it'll break it'll shatter wow. and all i can think of 
I should have taken that to New York Comic Con, gone straight up to Maddie on the display case, hit it, and just run away. Who would say anything? Who would say anything? Don't just be like, oh, yeah, there's fucking Dayspring. Like, run away with a Madeline Pryor figure. He's probably either really drunk right now or just lost his shit in that tracks. And we can have a Madeline Pryor right now. I don't think we ever addressed uh, on, on the podcast that I actually... Uh, backed six of no seven seven of these has labs you're only supposed to do five i did it from two different email addresses maxed out what was left on a particular credit card to to try and get madeline made and i was literally talking to you about i calculated how much money we needed to raise to invest in five thousand of these vengeance engines of vengeance it was about a million dollars um and unfortunately could not find uh any investors for that so like yeah i i do whatever it takes for maddie i, I love you so it. much my i was selling it to jeff and jeff was like that's really smart actually so you because know then we would be the world exclusive mephisto maddie and damon dealer and everybody like we would more than make our money back just selling the the fucking figures that the car came with instead of the car that nobody seems to want. Mom First of all, is his name Damien? I keep calling him Damien because of Damien Wayne. Is it? I don't. You know, I always say, honestly, I'm, 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 I, I am illiterate. I'm from Florida. So like... It could be either... It, I, I, there's an I in there. Yeah, whether it's, I don't know. It, I, who knows? Who knows what... Pat, I, I, I wanted him because of Patsy me. Walker. Right. I was going to say, to me, he's Mr. Patsy Walker. Like, he's Mr. Who Patsy cares what his name Mr. is? Mr. Hellcat. Yeah. I, shh, just be shirtless. Just be shirtless. But so today also Hasbro released the the the, the villains wave that we've sort of seen um, throughout the last couple of weeks and it's gonna be yeah. a five pack. And it's 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 what it's zero, it's vertigo, it's strife, it's pretty boy, That's and it. it's random and random as well. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, duh, the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Um I you know, I it's a uh, a random box set lineup as they are are known to do um but i'm happy with with it to be honest with you i'm happy to get some of these um you know lesser known probably not even b-list x-men uh villains out there and you know i recognize that this is the only way we're ever going to get somebody probably like zero or or vertigo out there so fully support fully excited right i do too and i don't have i, I mean i'm going to break some stuff down really quickly but in general i don't mind repaints because we we were the pioneer consumers yep. who got the repaint wave and we got electro we got polaris we got characters that we never thought we'd ever get through repaint yep. so i always support repaints i just wish for vertigo they would have used someone else other than sue storm because it's a very basic body that's fine but i wish they would have used another head because all i see is like fucking sue storm walked in to the x mansion saw polaris and was like i'm going back to the baxter building salon and i'm just gonna get my hair dyed green that's how i feel about her but that is such a very specific head that is easily identified it's one of the more easily identifiable heads like you know if you have that figure you know what it's derived from um and there's nothing new sculpted for it so i can see the disappointment there but also at the same time it, it, yeah it, it, it's it, good to have it it's 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 vertigo she's an easy character she doesn't have like a, a super complicated super complicated costume or any super identifying things outside of you know the green hair which is present so i'm 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 fine with it i would say the one what uh, what you're pointing you uh, no no no, no because i thought you said what you said was so interesting 
Because, by the way, guys, that's how, like, Flink and I chat. I'm always, like, pointing my finger when I want to <laughs> say something. <laughs> and you're usually lost in thought. And I'm just like, ah, ah. Um, because, remember that Warbird figure that came out, or, or Captain Marvel figure that came out as part of the three-pack? That head has been reused for, like, Moonstone, mm-hmm. for the Dark Phoenix, for Gamora, for Satana. Was that her name? Satana yeah. from what? And and not many people know that because it's kind of a generic looking head. This head though is a very particular mold. So I just thought it was very interesting. I said that like there's some molds you can get away with it, other yeah. ones you can't. Like Polaris, I still see like the Toy Biz Polaris, I still see Rogue in that. But right. the Psylocke turned Electra, I see Electra. I mean, it could be because those characters look a little bit more similar, but. The molds, you know, it's it's in the mold, and this one's a particular one, and I think that's why it bugs me so much. Right, and, and like they, it, it, it's very obvious. Whereas, like something like when they use, you know, wasp head for Domino, you you didn't see it. You you didn't oh, see yeah. it. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I think yeah, I agree. It's a little bit too identifiable as what it is derived from. Um, I would say the only disappointing thing about the entire set to me is I think Random is a little a little small. He's a little small, small. I random. think did we if we talked about this somewhere because we agreed on it. Like we thought he was going to be a bath or something like that. It was our yeah in our our thirsty for figs uh, mm-hmm. chat with 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 Jason, mm-hmm. uh, Hammy and Mich- Michelle. We were we yeah. were talking about how he he was a little small, but. I mean, fuck, we're, we're, we live in a world where we're about to have a random Marvel legend, and he's been my most wanted bath for two years running now. So, you know, no shade, no hate. I, I'll pick him however we can get him. And if I he's wish a little he small, at least he's a shapeshifter. I wish we would have gotten the little missiles that he, he came with in the original Toy Biz. I'm looking at the figure breakdowns and there's not a lot of accessories. I mean, pretty boy has a lot of accessories, which sidebar yeah. I think pretty boy looks amazing. And he probably looks the best in the set. Yeah. He's the best. I, I would give it to strife next because I was like, Oh my God, that true Jubilee, you know, wave strife is perfect. How could they ever top that? And I did a comparison today on the Insta story and I was like, Oh yeah, they, they it's a much improved figure. Like it yes. looks like the same Cape though. Yeah, I think, which is see. the thing. Yeah, it's, which is it the is thing the I, cape. I, which is the thing I wanted changed probably the most, just because that fucking cape occupies so much real estate in my display. It's hard to pose figures around Strife because his cape is so majestic. But you know what? That's probably how it's meant to be. Strife, Strife, and Sinister in their capes. What can I say? I mean, the helmet is like night and day for the Insane. new one. It's beautiful. I mean, like wow, Huge. I can't believe, cannot believe. Anyways, I ordered two, just like I ordered two of the Dazzler Mojo like box set. So I have, I ordered two. I'm excited. I'm, you know, I have my grievances here and there, but it's a great set as a celebration of the 60th anniversary of X Men. Give me these figures. I yeah, take give that. us the most random X Men villains you possibly could. That is the per- honest, honestly, no sarcasm. That is like the perfect way to celebrate the X Men's 60th anniversary. So 60th anniversary for the X-Men next year, 20 anniversary, 20 year anniversary for Hasbro, Mark, excuse me, 20th anniversary for Marvel Legends. We have Sam Hatmaker, who is at the inception of Marvel Legends. We we start from that first meeting, you know, transitioning from five inch figures to six inch figures and all the way to talking about the 20th anniversary. It's a great interview. 
It's great. I had so much fun and he just has brings like so much energy to it. Like I worked a full day today. I went in to work uh, an hour and a half early so that I could be off in time to make it to this interview. And I tell you the second I hopped on and like felt his energy and your energy and just the enthusiasm for toys. It's like I was a new man. So it it is great. You're all going to love it. I as much as we did. He's just an awesome guy. All right. Well, then without further ado, here's Sam Hatmaker. Sam, I am so happy to have you on Power of X-Men. You were not only my first Marvel friend, but you were one of my first New York friends. And I just cannot believe we have you here today. I feel very honored to come and talk with you. And we get to catch up at the same time that we get to discuss geeky stuff we love. So I love that. Well, it's so funny. When I first started at Marvel, I was an intern at Marvel in 2006, and you were telling me all of these wonderful little juicy things about how you guys do figures and everything. And I would turn around, log into my MySpace account, and DM Flink here and be like, I met one of the guys from Toy Biz, and you'll never guess what he told me. Oh yeah, I would get all of the all of the tea. Not not all of it, of course, but you know, here and there, he I definitely knew about his new uh, Marvel BFF, Sam, and that he had all the scoop on on Marvel Legends. And of course, that our origin story, uh, you know, Day Spring and I's origin story is Marvel Legends, literally. So like, it was, it, it was I knew how special uh, it was for him to, to have that relationship so early. Sam, you know what you did? There were, there's so many things I want to say in, in general, but th- there was this one time if you remember where I sat, I sat in front of Flo, Fabulous's Flo's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. office. Oh, I, I had just she, come out from, I a, know. She was a magical creature. She really was. She, um, she'd been there for 30 years and she'd worked with Dan Lee back in the day. Um, she was amazing. And I love her. She said this really cute thing once, sidebar. She was here like, some man offered me a seat on the subway. Do I look that old, Paul? <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> Steinberg, right? That was her last name, Flo Steinberg. Yeah, fabulous Flo Steinberg. I mean, I obviously I never met her, but I read I read all about her in the old Marvel bullpen bulletins yeah. back in all the eighties comics. Yeah, she's been there. She was legendary, amazing, and Cookie is like, I love it. Oh, I remember Cookie. But anyways, so I just come out of Flo's office where I was gossiping with Flo about something and I came back to my desk and I saw you walking away from the corner of my eye. And do you remember what you did? What you left on my desk? no okay well you were very kind to me you left me a build a figure mojo from the 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 psylocke long shot wave was it oh yeah yeah 12 look at flink flink i told you the story the whole figure the whole build a figure mojo i didn't i only had to get psylocke from well by the way because i was a bratty 22 year old i then look at sam and i'm like wait do you have psylocke too (laughs) oh my god did i have her um you said you were gonna get her and bring her back to me because i'm like we yeah, we would go through like we'd have a dumpster once every six months come and we would fill it up with stuff from our office like things that was just like because you get a shipment and you get weird parts and we like production is such a weird thing you, you first you come up with the mold and then they would make they put the mold in the machine to test it but they're not changing out the plastic because they're already making some toy with that machine they're just going to put it in there for 10 minutes take it out you know, and put the old mold back in to keep running the toy they're making. So we would get hulks that were white and pink and purple, and we'd get Spider-Man that were just 50 different colors. There were piles of prototype toys. There were piles of 
sample toys that didn't come in the package, but they were already painted. Then there are piles of toys that were ones that were in the packaging, but packaging was incorrect. And we were still finalizing the layout. So there were all these there been thousands of variants for every single toy. And if we, if we, if we had thought of like, oh, these variants are going to be worth something, we could have stocked garages full of them. <laughs> like, but, uh, but we would throw them in the dumpster. And so oh if there God. was anything around the office that people wanted, if people said, oh, can I have that toy? I'm like, yeah, you can have it. It, it was, it was easy to be generous when there was so much stuff that was just going to be garbage. You know what I mean? Like I used to take bags on the subway full of stuff nobody wanted and it's just going to go in the dumpster. And I would get on the, on the subway. And if there were kids, if they had any kind of Marvel thing, I would pull stuff out just hand them <laughs> toys on the subway. Like, it was a disgusting wealth of toys. Wow. I mean, and everybody, every one of us who worked there had a room at home that was full of toys. We were all toy lovers. That's how I got the job. I um, had been buying through college. I loved toys. I loved them. And so through college, I um, would buy toys of other characters and re-sculpt them and repaint them to be characters that I couldn't find a toy of. Like, I want Cheetah from Wonder Woman. Nobody's making a Cheetah figure, so um, I would make my own. And um, so when I got an inter interview for Toy Biz, I went into the interview and I started talking about, oh, you guys make this toy and this toy has this special feature and this toy does this. And the lady was like, you're going to fit in here fine. Here's the <laughs> like, how do you know all these? She's like, like please just oh, take this stuff. I have that set. Yeah. If I remember, so wait, who was the lady's name? Who, um, who was Joanne your boss? Joanne McLaughlin. Okay, I kind of remember her. So her office was right here. Was your desk, you had like a cubicle, was yeah. it right in front of hers? It right? Was, Am yeah, I remembering just, that kind of? Yeah, yeah. There was her and Tom McCormick. They were the two in the office and everybody else was just in the bullpen. We were just in one big open space. No, it's listen, first of all, a, when you were leaving, you should have just gone like this with all those figures that were going into the dumpster. <laughs> and that's it. You would have set for life. You would, because Marvel legends is so different. Like the, the, from where it began with you all to where it is today. I mean, it's a whole different industry. We were learning as we were going though. A lot of that, like we were, we would start like, <laughs> we didn't know which which characters or how to distribute them or we had ideas but things would happen like if we put a girl in there sometimes there'd be like so one girl per case so one girl in every 12 figures go to the store oh you know we know that yes yeah. we well, okay, you know because we were after so, all of them but but sometimes there'd be like literally you go to the store and there'd be 40 girl figures there because <gasps> they've gone through 40 girl so the, the next time you're like, you're not putting that many girls in the set anymore because there's too many girls. So instead of doing one per case, we would do one every two cases. And it wasn't nice. because we, wa I wanted to make more of them because I wanted all the girl figures. But yes. every time we get to the store, there'd be too many figures of, the, of her on the shelf because all the boys had sold around her. See, so I it was always very sad to me. As a gay oh, boy, God. I was like advocating girls and... That was not working. <laughs> That's so strange because my experience collecting Toy Biz, uh, you know, five inch figures and legends is that the, the girls were hard to find for me. I was always on the hunt for the girls. So it's great. Where is this paradise where I can, I can walk <laughs> Wait, in and easily where, find where the Toy Biz you, ladies? Where did you, where did you grow up? 
I live in Texas, so you would think that that we would. I, I don't. I don't know. We must have a, a big fan base for the the Marvel females because that was it was tough for me. Well, it was also. I think it was a little bit later though. Like, wh when were you collecting toys? Collecting in the '90s, and then of course transitioned immediately into into Legends. I, like Legends started when I was graduating high school. I was buying toys a little bit before that, and the girls were impossible to sell. So for us to get a girl, it was breaking into the market. The Marvel Legends was like breaking into that girl market. It really was hard to, and now they can put more girls in more series and people will collect them. But back then it was very difficult. We, we wasn't the same fan base. I mean, I bet you the sales numbers of what Marvel Legends is now compared to what it was is much higher. I'm curious. Wait, I want to ask about you, but before we do that, I, I, I am curious about those like sales numbers and stuff like that. Not because I want like any insight to you. I'm just curious. Do you track sales by with action figures? Is it per series or is it per figure? Both ish. Both? I mean, they mm -hmm. have the information for both, but um, the the toy industry in general is very weird. Like, we what doesn't sell costs you money because Walmart will want you to buy it back, or they'll want yeah. you to send them a rebate check before this stuff. It is very difficult. So, like, um, we had difficulties like hulk first movie we made some awesome toys in there toys that will have been used over and over again like the hulk hands have been used for 20 years now but when they came out that was the only thing in the whole line that sold the hulk action figures sold terrible and so we you know everybody wanted their money back everybody wanted compensation and um uh, now when, when i say everybody i'm not talking about the fans i'm talking about the the, the, the sellers, the store, retail, the yeah, stores, yeah, the retail stores. So it was a very difficult business. Like, like, uh, it was dangerous. Well, thank you for acting dangerously because here we are <laughs> 20 years later, still talking about the line, but wait. So when I first met you and, and we were, it was 2006, it was Marvel and, we had, I don't know if you remember this. We ran into you and your then boyfriend at Midtown Comics. And then we went back to your place. Speaking of people who had, you know, collections and stuff like that, you had a room or it was a room. I think it was your living room because it was a train style apartment. Was it? Am I remembering it correctly? Yeah. Yeah. And there was two rooms. One was Wonder Woman. Just the whole room was Wonder Woman. And the second room was toys. It was just toys everywhere toys flying from the ceiling toys filling up bookshelves like climbing on stuff like it was heaven. it was heaven and, oh. and, and flink would know this story too because remember those barbies they sold sold of like uh mary jane and yeah. storm i believe you had yeah, yeah. a prototype for a Jean Grey slash Dark Phoenix in there and you were yeah. like she has never been released it's just a prototype and I'm like Ugh! Like, get me to the next nearest modem with this Ethernet cord so I can get on my space and tell Flink all about this. <laughs> yeah, because at the time, you know, I love Jean. I always wanted them to make a better, more insanely beautiful storm with, like, I want there to be so much Mohawk coming out. Like, I want a special edition Barbie with, like, it's like a $300, like, you know, hair coming up out of there. That's no so, what I want. The little jean jacket, cut off sleeves. Like I want it all. I want it to be like professional. Well, you're also a huge Linda Carter fan. Obviously, that is something I, yeah. I knew about you the second I saw you, Wonder Woman. There was a piece written about you by Dan Avery, who's a very 
well-known LGBTQIA plus writer back, I was going to say back home in New York, because we both don't <laughs> live there anymore. But um, was it for HX Magazine? I'm forgetting what pub it was, but he featured... Oh, no, it, was, it was Time Out New York. Oh my God, it was Time Out New York, where he featured yeah. your collection. I'll never forget you sitting down there with your Wonder Woman. It was such a beautiful shot. I, I forgot if it was... Um, a doll, or if it was a telephone, or some. Did you have a Wonder Woman telephone? Am I making that up? Yeah, yeah, it was both. I mean, I had the doll in one hand, and I was on the phone. <laughs> yes, I love my. I tried googling it, Perfect. but I couldn't find it. But I, I want to know for obviously Linda Carter had. thank you for being so geeky and being a pioneer (laughs) for for you know lgbt and and collectors but so linda carter was in 1984 i want to know your thoughts on that and tell us about your love for linda carter and i think if i remember correctly in that piece there is a a story where you got you had like a an accident at home and you had to go to the emergency room but you were more upset that you were missing Wonder Woman yeah. than the actual act. It, it, am I remembering that correctly? <laughs> that is actually true. I was like five years old. The TV show was on. This is how old I am. And um, I was in the bathtub and the TV, you know, was the volume was turned up and I heard the theme song start. I'm like, oh, Wonder Woman's on. And I jumped up in the tub and I spun around like she did in a bathtub. It's not a really smart oh. idea. So I slipped and I cracked my chin open and I got was bleeding all over. So my mom's like, oh my God, we're going to take you to the hospital. And I'm like, no, we're missing the show. Like I, um, I was very upset because um, that was before uh, VHS. I, it was felt like I was never going to be able to see it again. You know, I could watch it on HBO Max, like, <laughs> like that, but. Well, no, for, for the young ones at home, you missed that show live. You weren't ever seeing it again. And you, yeah, yeah, you yeah, did not was... get these. You didn't even have the DVD like series release. You got a VHS with like this odd pairing of episodes that they, but it was like four episodes if you were lucky, and that's yeah. it. that's all you had. That'd be like twenty dollars for four episodes. You're like, I have to have it. Or $20 for just one episode of X-Men if you are pride of the X-Men stan, <laughs> a, a, as I was. 1984, Wonder Woman 1984. How happy were you see were you to see Linda? There. Oh, I, I love her no matter what. She'll always have a special place. And I'm glad they gave her this place in the new universe. So it, it's awesome. Um, I would I would have liked to see more of her. Oh yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah. She should have she was the like the highlight of that movie for me. I I, I wish she had been more than just a, a turnaround cameo. And hopefully in yeah. the third one, maybe they'll give her maybe something more to do. She's getting older and older, so it's gonna be harder and harder to get I mean like she Wonder Woman doesn't they age. Did it the first movie. They should have did it the first movie. Her <laughs> hair been... in it. She looked beautiful. I was just like, uh, yeah, she's, I mean, she looked amazing. I love it. I loved it. Anyways, I cut so, you off, like, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. So sorry, obviously, I all... I, it, that's how we do it here. We, <laughs> we talk over each other. Absolutely fine. Uh, so, you know, obviously we mentioned that the, the Wonder Woman collection. Um, so it seems like you've probably been collecting for, you know, most of your life. What was the first action figure series that you collected? First action figure series I collected. Um, it had to probably be He-Man yeah. or, or, um, or Silverhawks. Like I'm older. Um, I, um, he-Man was probably the first one, but I didn't have that, that many. I probably only had like three. Um, and then I had, oh, actually, no, I had superpowers before that. Superpowers. I had, um, yes, I had a Hawkman. He was, 
Hawkmail was my friend. I would squeeze his little legs and his wings would flap. <laughs> flap and wings. sit on my yeah. shoulder. We'd fly around together. Like we would run through the woods and he would fly next to me like my little, he was my friend. And um, I had Wonder Woman. I had Aquaman. I had Superman. Did the Wonder yeah. Woman have an uppercut action? I, I yeah, no, to... well, it was, it, there were two different, one was a punch up and then yeah. one was yeah. this, but it didn't really work. So I just looked like she was like, just okay, so like, I think I had, I had this like, one. I remember that superpowers figure. I love those figures so much. <laughs> I think I only ever had like the Toy Biz like late 80s like reissue. Was it a reissue? Straight up reissue? I can't, yeah, I can't it was, remember. I think they were updated versions though because I think some of them did have different actions. Yeah. Yeah. She was iconic. <laughs> very but, thick. Like it's very like just chunky. I mean I, I would it. take it at the time. A chunky Wonder Woman if that's the best oh. we got I'm fine. You could have made the worst. I had an in-action figure Wonder Woman that I was because there was no Wonder Woman toy. So Burger King came out with collector's cups. It was like yes! a figure with a white yes! cup on it. I was and literally just Googling that right now because I was like, am I making that up? And she had like a blue base or something like that. Yeah, and, and literally I had all three of them, but I didn't have action figures of any of the three of them at the time. So I threw the cup away. I didn't care about the cup. And I cut the base off and I had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman action figures that were just stood there with their arms out. But they were enough for me. It was an action figure. I could run around with it. And like, it could do what I, it was an inaction figure, but it was amazing. <laughs> it's, Flink, were you, were you around for that? You're like a year I, younger than me, but it, it, when you're four or three, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Did you I have don't, it? I don't know. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Oh my God. So Burger King had, and we're looking right now, she didn't have a blue base. It was a yellow base, but they yeah. released like the justice league and they were like cup holders. So they were like this big, the figure, their hands go out like that. And a cup like snaps in there. It was iconic. It was so, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you I today would be all over it, it. somewhere. Really? But I, I kept, so I sold all my toys, like everything. I sold all of my toys. I sold all of my Wonder Woman collection. <gasps> I sold, like I literally, I have my Lego collection now, and that is, I have a little tiny shelf right next to me of Wonder Woman with it's only the Linda Carter doll that's signed by her to mm. me. So I'm like, I can't, can't get, get rid, rid of that. that. No, a Dolly Parton doll that's signed to me. Then I'm like, I can't get rid of that. Treasure two shared dolls, and I just can't get rid of them because they're shared. Which ones? Um, Which ones? <laughs> um, the '80s. If I could turn back time. Yep, and uh, and and the uh, gypsies, tramps, and thieves are half breed. Um, yep, feather mohawk, like seventies. Have them both. Uh, those are the only. Those are the only. The only Barbies I have are, are the two. Are the two share? And I have her. I have her loose and her purple, the one that was on Will and Grace. But the feathers on that boa are getting everywhere. So it might be time for her to go. <laughs> She's molting. <laughs> She's molting. I love that. And, and I have like two. The I did a sculpture of like they're like sexy thick girls and yeah. um, i have those and that's i don't have any other action figures or toys i'm just in shock that you, i'm not prepared for that i thought you were going to tell me like you're going to turn your camera and i was going to see everything there or it was in storage i cannot believe you sold all of it but that's i get it Space. i bought a house with it you what you bought a house <laughs> okay, i did well. i literally paid cash for a house with the with my collection because wow. every time I'd sell something, I put it in a separate bank account yeah. until it was all, until all the stuff was gone. I'm like, how much did I make? And I had this number, and I'm like, okay. And um, 
my parents needed a house in Michigan, so I bought one and they, they lived there. And if I paid cash, I didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about making payments every month. I'm like, it's there. I am obsessed with you right now. That is, this, <laughs> you are a poster child for why collecting is a wise investment. So there yes. you go. <laughs> I You're affirming make- my beliefs. <laughs> yeah, this is our retirement. You can't see Galactus. I have the HasLab Galactus. That's my retirement right there. I love it. Comic book art behind me. Like I tell my husband, like every time I get something new, I'm like, but later when I sell it, it's an investment. It's an investment. So you're affirming my life right now. Well, <laughs> Jeff, so Jeff was like, you'll never sell it. Anytime I've tried to pull exactly. that shit on you, Jeff's like, you'll never sell it. Just like you don't sell this clothes. I still have shirts from 2006 and literally Jeff has been screaming at me because we just don't have the closet space <laughs> to keep all these clothes. So, okay. Clothes are so disposable though. They're, you can get so many clothes, so many places. You do not need to keep it. You'll find, if you never wear it in the last two years, you'll find something any day you go out and go shopping, you'll find something that will replace it in your heart. You'll be like, oh, I'll wear this a million times. This is clothes fair. Are, clothes are disposable. You yeah. buy, it's so easy to accumulate more. You go to a thrift shop and find 75 things to take home and like literally, yeah, dispose cool. of it. Clothes are I like the wearing... one thing I don't struggle with. It's like one in, one out, I'm good. But really? everything else, I'm like, no. you're mine forever. This is a separate podcast altogether, like my marriage (laughs) on the rocks, because I refuse to part with this Armani exchange polo I got in 2004. (laughs) Like it's separate podcast. I'm here for it. I will come because I will give you therapy going for because that's how I had to do myself to get out of to get rid of the stuff. I had so much stuff like it's taking up so much space in my life. It was like a giant turtle shell I had to carry around with me every time. If I wanted to move somewhere, I had to pack it all up and I had to. And I'm like, why? I've, I've seen all these and there's going to be a thousand other new toys that I'm going to think are awesome and I love them. And and I'm like, I don't need all those too. I'm like, I, after you have them for a while, you forget what, how cool they are because it just, they anything in life, you see it enough, it becomes mundane. And so yeah. you 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 need something new to make it unmundane. And um, you buying something is never going to fix that. That's how I lived my relationship. That's why I was with my relationship for so long. I literally used, oh God, okay. So do you know the song, The Dog Days Are Over by uh, Florence and the Machine? Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Um, of course. She has a line, with every bauble I sang with a drink and I watched it washed on the kitchen sink. I lived, I filled my life that way. I bought things and go, oh my God, look, I got a new phone. I got a new this and all this. She's going to be so cool. She's going to make me so happy. And uh, then I would move on to the next thing. And I wasn't moving on with my life because I was picking up more stuff to carry around with me instead of living my life. And so I got rid of all of it. I sold everything. That song changed my life. Um, I got rid of my relationship. That was, that was the same thing. It was just a relationship of convenience and I needed to go out and live a life. And so I, I call it my first midlife crisis or whatever. Like it, but um, it really changed everything for the better. I changed so yeah. much. I, I simplified. I made myself happier. I started doing my own art. I started doing my own stuff. And um, I might not make as much money as I used to, but I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, God, I have to go to work. I wake up going, oh, my God, I get to make something cool today, you know? And um. um I don't think I don't miss any of that stuff ever. I never think about it. I never think going, oh God, I wish I had that. No, I, I go out and I see other cool new stuff all the time. 
Well, I have to tell you, I I really love that seismic shift in you because I've noticed it. And, you know, I I haven't seen you in years, but when we used to check in on each other, I think the last time we seriously hung out was probably my 30th birthday party. You came to my 30th birthday party. And then I ran into you at Hell's Kitchen. Obviously, I just saw you at San Diego Comic-Con with Lenore. And I'm just in awe of everything you've done i mean obviously i also follow you on the social media (laughs) we're facebook friends but (laughs) i am so proud of you and not only did you have that seismic shift but you're fucking on lego masters like what (laughs) the fuck tell us about lego masters well um so after i left the toy industry and um that world i traveled the world for a little bit and um explored and like learned about life and learned about what other things were out there and what other, I don't know. I just wanted to refresh myself. And, um, I started building things out of Lego. Like I had already done it a little bit while I was still working in the toys, but I just started building more and more. And I got, um, recognition from it. Like I built a golden girls Lego set and it went viral online and like Ellen DeGeneres reposted it. And it was just like really crazy. And, um, so when the TV show came around, a bunch of friends told me you should apply for this. And so I applied they, they enjoyed me. They enjoyed my personality. They, um, um, they enjoyed my look. I'm a little, I'm a, a you little got style, you know, you got um, swag. You got so <laughs> much swag. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, I, um, yeah, thanks. That, that makes me, that actually makes me feel really nice. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> I remember when you saw the Mohawk for the first time. Because you used to have, uh, you, you had reddish, you had reddish hair that was kind of like always red. It was always red, like kind of like a Peter Pan ish, you know that kind of like yeah, yeah. Short and, and then I remember yeah. when I saw like the the Mohawk, I was like, your vibe is so different. We were in Hell's Kitchen. I ran into you in Hell's Kitchen at brunch. I saw the Mohawk. I was like, your hair. <laughs> um, that's if that was just a fun weird um it, my my Facebook memory thing just said that it was like twelve years ago. I'm like. I've had this haircut for 12 years now. Like, I can't believe it. I was like, I saw um, you at brunch last week. I can't believe shit 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I, it's weird though, too, because like, you think 12 years, you're like, when, when I used to look at like my mom's pictures, you're like, those people don't change their hairstyle forever. And you see that woman's been wearing the same hair since the 80s. But I'm like, am I going to become that? Am I, is this my haircut from now on? <laughs> like, That's totally me. I've had the same haircut now for like 10 years. It's forever unchanging. Anything else just doesn't work. So if you can, if if, if you can rock it and it looks good, keep doing it. I mean, but your hair is beautiful, Mike. His hair is beautiful. He has beautiful hair. I'm blessed. You do all kinds of stuff with it. (laughs) The thing is, is I have, like, you can't tell, but I have, we're going way off script here, but that's fine. I have so (laughs) many calyx on my head that I can't, like, I just have, it does what it does. And I just, calyx are cute. Calyx are cute. Tasseled. I love little tasseled hair. I mean, (laughs) it could be a little more tasseled. It could be a little more tasseled. I do, I do keep it very kempt at all times. I should probably be a little more. I mean, no, I had the faux hawk for like you want forever. Do, oh my god, I'm gonna bring back the faux hawk then because I that was that's <laughs> really my signature. That's how that's how Paul knows me best as as <laughs> the the guy from the internet with the faux hawk. I love it. I, I look look no complaints on your hair. I've always thought you have beautiful hair and great style. But wait, Sam, how did you get on Lego Masters then? You're you're tra- oh, okay. you're tra- traveling the world. You got this beautiful mohawk. So I applied for the show, and they liked me. They liked my personality. They liked um, my look. Um, I didn't have a 
partner and I auditioned with two other partners and they didn't like either one of them. So they gave me this partner and they put me on the show and I did, we did the best we could. We got way further than I ever thought we would starting out and way further. And that was a huge thing because she was so encouraging of like, you could do this. You could do this. You could do this. Uh, she was a cheerleader, which is an amazing thing. Um, <laughs> Cause you need it. It would, I cannot tell you reality TV is you cannot, you can't understand it unless you've done it. It is not, it's not, well, it is real. It isn't real. It's like, it's, it's edited and it, there's a story to be told. And there's, there is like, you know, scripting. I mean, there really is a script or you would see scenes where um, somebody's talking, there's like very little on their desk. And then the next sentence, there's a lot of stuff on their desk. And the next sentence, there's nothing on the desk again. You're like, those are not the same. Now, when you recorded for 14 hours or 16 hours, there's more than 20 seconds of talking time in there. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and 14 hours of stressful, like constantly um, adrenaline, like um, we, they would pick us up from the hotel at 530 in the morning and you get back to the hotel no at nine at night. Um, and then the next day you do it again, and the next day you do it again, and the next day you do it again. And when they say week, it's like, no, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is one episode. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday is another episode. And then like, it's like, you're, you're, you're just so exhausted and like trying to be creative on demand. And it is crazy and exhilarating. And it, we all like, we went through like, um, like a traumatic experience, like a plane crash, you know, like, so we are, we are bonded as a family. I love it. But, um. Yeah, I was, I was very lucky to be chosen because they liked my talent and they saw that I could build some stuff and, I'm, and that makes me happy. Yeah, and what what is it about Legos that that you think makes it such a special hobby that makes it have such a community? Because my husband is is super into it and I know why he does it. It, it relaxes him. He loves, yeah. to just, he loves to just build. It's actually, it's yeah. funny. We were just talking like two days ago. Uh, we were watching the latest episode and I was like, oh, why don't we go on Lego Masters and I can be your little assistant even though I don't know what I'm doing. And now you've totally just talked me out of that fantasy 100%. Could not handle that production schedule. No, no, but you should do it. Like you should definitely do it. A gay couple doing it is great. They would love it, you know? Um, they would love it. Like, um, I could tell you the best demographics to, to apply for the show. If you want to get on the show, like, uh, and, but that's another conversation some other time too. Yeah. You have my information. Contact me. I'll tell you all about it. Get it. Get yeah. it. Get it. I'm into <laughs> it. I'm in, okay. I'm interested. I'm interested. I might go and crazy and have a just, breakdown. Just, on... oh, they'll love that too. They'll keep you longer. <laughs> You'll uh, be for all stars. Exactly. I'll be the new Valerie Cherish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So, Sam, we are an X Men podcast. So, I'm before sorry, we. No, 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 no. Because we're going to ask you questions about X Men. And I don't know these, these answers for you. I mean, I can infer some, but I'm going to ask you who is your favorite X Men ever? Or, you know, it could be mutant, but you get it. Like, no, X Men yeah. character. Oh, Rogue was. Yes! character like um she, she as a gay kid she had like this pathos in her life that was so what i felt every day this pain and anguish like she could love people but she can't touch them and i just oh it was like she was like a soap opera besides being an awesome badass superhero so i loved it 
Now I feel yeah. like such a D-bag because literally when I saw you at San Diego Comic-Con, I'm with Lenore Zan, a.k.a. the voice of Rogue for folks at home. And I would have been like, this is Sam Hatmaker. He worked at Marvel. Like, you two <laughs> need to be BFFs. Okay, so, and also because, we, you know, we're an X-Men podcast, but we're also kind of a shady podcast. So on the flip side of that, who is, like, your least favorite X-Men or mutant character? Um, God, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yes! Open up the library. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be one. You can give us a top ten if you want. Oh, God. I, I, well, I need a moment to think about that. I mean, Toad is a... I, the whole, why is he, what is it? Over it. Dad, I don't need Toad. Um, I, um, oh, God. I, I literally, I wish I had a picture of the X-Men so I could just point at that. <laughs> Funny, wait, maybe I can change my screen here because I had... For previous episodes, choose my virtual background. I have. Can you see this one? Does that help? Yeah. Can you see those right there? Yeah. Um, but I feel like these are all likable ones. Yeah, they're all pretty good characters. And you're I literally covering Beast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Beast is ugly though, too. Gross. Um, Nightcrawler is one of my favorite characters forever. He will always be. Um, I know a lot of people love Cannonball. I just never, I didn't think, I don't think I ever read enough of his stuff. So he's a waste for me. I don't really care about him. Oh, we can um, ask you how you feel about some characters. How about that? How do you, okay. how do you feel about Hank McCoy? <laughs> well, it's crazy. when he was young, he was a good guy, but he's become a bitch. <laughs> what about, let's see, who else do we have here? What about, what about Polaris? What, what are your thoughts on Popo? God, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't I really know don't. either. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um, is she is she is she Magneto's daughter still? Yes, yes. Like yes. confirmed. Yes. Lean, confirmed. Finally leaning into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How think, how do you, how do you feel about Dazzler? Dazzler is one of the coolest characters ever. <laughs> like for sure. Um, Thank God. Disco Thank God. era for sure though. Disco era is the. If, I could never even imagine another costume. I really do like the headband one, but Disco Dazzler is the ultimate. Fortunately, I have both behind me. I even have President Dazzler behind me. So all versions <laughs> of Dazzler are welcome here. I Eventually, I'm going to have, like, assuming they ever give me enough Dazzler merchandise, but eventually I'm going to have, like, what for Dazzler, what you apparently had for, for Linda Carter. I, I and Wonder that. Woman. We need, you need to slide into Dan Avery's DMs and get a feature written about you in Time Out, New York. <laughs> <laughs> this, Time this Out, is Texas. Uh, that's how I met Dan too. It's like, and we became friends right after that. Like we were just, we were on it. Um, they need to make a Dazzler Barbie doll too. Like the same as the, uh, the other ones, but the ultimate version, like the store one, I want it to be like a $350 Dazzler with real yes. sequin on the outfit. I want it to have roller yes. skates and I want it to have like, it's gotta be expensive and gorgeous. It has to have like perfectly quaffed, like Farrah Fawcett Dazzler oh, yeah. hair. Like, Yes, I would pay more than three hundred and fifty dollars yeah, yeah, for that. Don't that, tell them that. But, don't tell. They don't need to know that I'd pay more than that. But I absolutely <laughs> would. Alternatively, who is your favorite ex villain? Ex villain? Yeah, Magneto. He's perfect. He's a perfect character. Like, because he is right and wrong, just yeah. like like um. Charles is very similar though. Charles is very similar. He's right and wrong. Like he's, um, yeah, I love them both. 
Yeah, well, I think the Leewald said this when we had them on the podcast where they were saying that like the entire purpose of Magneto coming in later in the series was because they wanted to show that the U.S. government was the real villain of the series. And by the time you get to Magneto, he may not be wrong in his convictions. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. He's absolutely a perfect villain. Awesome. I'm glad I have a good answer for that one. Yeah. <laughs> So assuming you flirted with the the X-Men comics a little bit in your in your experience did you have a favorite X-Men crossover or any uh, you know storyline that particularly resonated with you Um god the um the episode where um I can't remember who Ileana No yeah Ileana's dying yes and, and Kitty Pride is um there and she doesn't understand uh, or Jubilee is it right? Yeah, yeah, Jubilee yeah. doesn't understand what Kitty Pride's connection, and she doesn't understand the whole thing. And I remember that issue bawling, like bawling, crying the whole time. Like it was devastating, and it was conveyed so much emotion. It was amazing. That was one of my favorite issues ever. I swear to God. And yeah, she actually... looks so much like Elizabeth Shue in that panel, like. Oh, Kitty yes. Pride when like Jubilee opens up the and is that Flink you would know this is that the first time they meet on I was gonna say on screen but on panel the first time Kitty and and Jubilee I believe meet. so I believe yeah. so and I because it's, it's very John dramatic Junior yeah. yeah yeah it's gorgeous and that that issue with Ileana and and Jubilee and Kitty like that was one of the very first X Men comics in general that I ever read and I didn't. I didn't know the relationship between Kitty and Ileana. I was like the Jubilee in that like situation. And the yeah. way that they like laid it out, they sold it, they explained it. It was so emotional. Like I was crying. I was probably in like second grade, like bawling my eyes out reading an, an X-Men comic uh, uh, on recess. And it, it was so well done. That's like totally agree. That issue is, is very special. So sure. Sam, you started off at Marvel slash Toy Biz in 2001. How, yeah. tell us about the job. Tell us about your interview process. I, I mean, you kind of already alluded to it. You kind of came in, you knew all the figures, but how were you offered the job? What was your first day like? Can you walk us through that? Um, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the job was like, it was a the Hangover movies. It really was. It was like a frat party. It was a frat house. It was everybody working there was 25 to 35. Like we'd all grew up with toys. We'd all had passions for the characters and toys themselves. And there were, I mean, drugs in the drawers. And there were like, mm -hmm. like, people I do remember their, that. <laughs> people, people bringing their, uh, girl back there in the middle of the night and having sex on a desk and like it was crazy um there if they could make a movie of it or like a tv show like the office but much raunchier um it, but it was so fun if we it was I mean, we had there was one um female on the whole floor and uh it was a bunch of guys having rubber band wars and making toys <laughs> it was chaos and fun and we all look back at it going, wow, we really were lucky to have this life that we just, I don't know, just fell into, just happened. Um, I had applied for the job. I had been working at an uh, industrial design firm. And the job came posted online. And one of my friends there knew who I 
new I Love Toys. So they go, do you want to, you should apply for this. And we looked at the job that had been posted for over a month. And I'm like, they've already filled this position. There's no way I'm going to get it. And he's like, just send your resume. So I sent it in. And I guess it was like, it came out and they're like, oh yeah, we should actually call somebody about that. So they called me, they, only, they called the top five. So it was just luck that I got the interview in the first place. There was a stack of like 350 resumes there, you know? And so um, um, they called me. I, I had no experience. I had never been to toy design school. I'd been to art school. So I knew aspects, but I would, you know, I didn't know anything about the des toy design process. And um, but I came in and started talking and she's asking me questions about stuff and asking me if I recognize any of his stuff. I told her, I've seen all these toys. I know that I know what this one does. I collect, I have that whole series. I have that series. And she's like, Oh, you'll fit in fine. Like you, these are people who she wants nerds who want to do this stuff. She wants people who are going to really be passionate about making a great product. And we did, we all loved these characters. We would get so upset about like a sculpt coming in with a the face just wasn't right. Or the body proportion just wasn't right. Or, or China would take it and um making molds. They would change a hip joint or a, an arm joint that wouldn't work the same. We're like, no, like we were passionate about it. We wanted to make the best product possible. Oh, and the we... product was mind blowing by the way at the time, just compared to, to everything that had, had, had come before. So appreciate you, you know, advocating <laughs> for those of us out there who grew up with toys that were great and special in their own way, but were ready to, you know, move on to things on, on another level. And you yeah. guys were definitely doing that. So I have a question. They okay. so this is like a frat, you know, like situation. Rubber band wars, everything. Who is checking the one one eight hundred number and and hearing all these kids? Was it still around in the early? 2000s? Oh yeah, it was. It was. Um, I don't know. If it's, I don't know who was checking. I, it had to be somebody in the marketing department or you know PR somewhere in that section. Um, but they weren't calling us back. <laughs> <laughs> definitely weren't uh, calling us back. They were not calling you back. They, they did not, not call us back. <laughs> so, you know, we had gone through a couple of like wilderness years in terms of Marvel toys. There wasn't like a solid, you know, uh, release until we started getting Spider-Man classics. How, how did, you know, which of course, you know, morphed into Marvel Legends. How did the idea, uh, you know, for these lines come about? Well, Spider-Man movie had just happened. And so we were turning in, you know, we had pushed the envelope with those, giving them more features, more um, joints, more posability. And we're like, well, once the movie's over, we can't sell movie toys anymore. So what are we going to transition into, you know? And obviously we're going to transi transition into Spider-Man classic. And so that really was our first time we got to do amazing Spider-Man sculpts, like with multiple points of articulation and uh i remember there was like 32 points of articulation or something like that it was yeah. ridiculous and yeah. um and it i should um i love those figures I, I was obsessed with them we had a, we all had them on our desks there we were all so proud of them in every single way we wanted did you guys have a, like a meeting where you were like okay so we the movies are going to be done we want to do more movie style action figures with these like 32 points of articulation which used to be on like the actual packaging for <laughs> for the Marvel Legends but w was there ever like this talk about like hey we are going to transition from 5 inch to 6 inch figures Oh yeah there was definitely a, a discussion about it about setting up setting us apart and also 
the more detail, we really wanted the space to be able to put more joints in there and like to make them, they just work better. The scale would work better. You, something, somebody wouldn't be so chunky and thick. And um, the more, the more, I don't know, it was mostly scale like for detail and for joint articulation, but it just worked better in every single way. It set us apart from the rest. They just felt so hefty in your hand compared to yeah. the smaller ones. They just felt like a, like, like almost an adult figure. Like yeah. they were, I, they really, I, there was a, um, a few years ago, there was a dowel company. They're making dowels that were 16 inches and they are very much shaped like Barbie. But when you held them in your hand, you felt like a little kid holding a Barbie, even though you're an adult, like it felt so big. And it, I think these figures did that too. It brought back like a demographic that had stopped playing with toys and started going, wait, those are awesome. I want to come back and buy some of those, you know, like look how cool that one is right here. Yes. Yeah, I had stopped same. like, I, I forgot where was the, the last wave. It was probably, I think before the onslaught wave that had gene and onslaught and, and Wolverine that wave, I think it was probably a monster armor flink. You would probably know better than I do, but that was whatever that wave before that I was like, Oh, it was uh water wars. It was water yeah. wars. With that was about Storm. when I was done. And then I was like, okay, I'm done here. But then 2002 go into Toys R Us with my little brother. I'm like, Oh, let me just walk by the aisle. I used to go to as a child all the time. And I saw toad, the Marvel legends toad there. And I was like, I have to have him. And I bought him. You know what I mean? So you, you guys nailed it though, because it's so interesting even hearing you talk that because what you just said, this idea that you guys wanted to make sure you were appealing to the collector who had abandoned the hobby and want an adult to feel like they're holding that, that, that same feeling that they're holding a toy. It's still alive today. That is why Hasbro is so successful with like their live streams and everything because of what you guys were thinking. You guys were the pioneers on that. <laughs> we, we pioneered a lot of stuff in that company. Yeah. Like like we're, we did, we really did. If you were looked at the Lord of the Rings toys today, they are still better than most of the toys out there. Like we, we look, we tried new techniques to give them like underneath the robes, there's other layers of underwear robes. Yes. And then the sculpted body is sculpted in the actual what they wore underneath there, they were so detailed and so accurate and just, uh, it's an amazing toilet. I like, there has not ever been one like it since then. And it's, um, Toy Biz, we were trying new stuff. We were going for it. We, we were a bunch of nerds nerding out about things we, we wanted and we were making things for ourselves. We tried to get so many other things made too. We, we tried, we pushed to get a Balrog made from like a huge toy, like this big. But when you start getting into the corporate part of it, you realize those things are really, really hard. Like just developing a Spider-Man car, we would have three or four meetings about design from it. And everybody, everybody, five of us would bring 10 designs each of what color, we already decided what the car looks like, the sculpt of it. Now we're just doing colors. And each of us would bring 10, as so we'd have 50 colors versions on the wall and people would stare at them for an hour trying to disguise it should be blue with a red stripe or red with a blue stripe <laughs> or blue with a black stripe or red with a blue stripe yeah and it was like oh my god <laughs> this is crazy no no kid is gonna care it's a spider-man car i don't if it's blue they're buying, red, they're buying it like they're buying it but we would have meetings like that it was crazy 
I actually have to give you some props for the Lord of the Rings uh, line because I had actually lapsed in in buying toys at that point until Marvel Legends started up. But my best friend in the world is obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And those toy biz, Lord of the Rings toys were so cool looking because I, I never stopped walking down the toy aisle. So I would see the Lord of the Rings toys. And I bought her just a shitload for every holiday for like two years. And to this day, she still has, she has them in a glass case in her living room. She loves those action figures so much. And they were such quality. The sculpts were so good. The likenesses were so good. Like aside from Marvel Legends, like that period, like, yeah, when you reminded me of, uh, of the Lord of the Rings line, like you guys were truly pioneering what, what action figures are today in every way. I that's very nice to hear. I wish I had that line still because those they're oh my god they're hard to find and they're very expensive and I'm like oh I love those. Yeah, every I, I'll still buy her an expensive one every couple of years on eBay for Christmas. Like they 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 hold up so well. Uh, I have a story about um um being generous with your stuff because I had lots of toys at home as you know, and my friend who worked at DC one day asked me if I had the um. Um, horse and rider set from the Lord of the Rings line. And I'm yeah, like, well, we don't have any in the office, but I have one at home. Well, you could have mine. I don't need it that bad. And he's like, okay, my friend really wants it. So I went home the, and the next day I brought it to him and I left it there. Like two weeks later, he called me at my office and said, hey, on your way home, stop by my office. I got something for you. And I'm like, okay. And so I stopped by there and he's like, oh, I, the person, my friend who wanted that horse, that was Jim Lee. And he knows you love Wonder Woman. So he did a drawing for you. And it was a pen and ink and everything drawing of Wonder Woman to me because I gave him my Lord of the Rings toy. That's a blink warm. Blink, like, yeah, oh my I'm God. Like, Sam, uh, I, I you're welcome Jim on this Lee. podcast anytime. I mean, you literally <laughs> made Flink like all flustered right now. That doesn't happen often. You're welcome all the time. <laughs> I was... Um, I, I just be generous with your stuff. If, if it's not that important, you know, like I didn't need that, you know, I gave it away and it came back to me in an magical way. Okay. Yeah. That's a one of a kind. You're never getting nothing like that. You know, it, it will, hopefully it will, but you know, the odds of it happening are, are, are slim. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just magic. I love it. So, you know, you're talking about the Lord of the Rings figures and your approach to that and how you guys were doing things that had never been done before. It's still not yeah. even being done till this day. We, we saw that in the Marvel Legends line as well. We've talked about this endlessly, Flink. Like, it felt like you guys had individual sculpts for all of the characters. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. And I'm also curious about your approach to designing characters. And was there a particular, you know, Marvel character that you designed that you wanted to nail right? Do you have any anecdotes about that? Um, uh, so I never was in charge of any of the Marvel Legends. That, that was a Jesse Falcon exclusive. Jesse Falcon was the project manager in charge of that one. So we all got input. He would listen to us. We would advocate for stuff. He, for me, my best thing was he always came to me first about the girls. Like, what do you think of this face? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And because um, he knew I would be the most critical because I was the gay boy in the office going, I want more girls. Every single time the live would come up, they start discussing new characters. I'd, I would list off, I would list off Dazzler. I would list off, um, you know, uh, Emma Frost. I would list off all of all the people I wanted. Firestar. We could have gotten a Dazzler, Firestar, and Emma Frost in 2003. <laughs> no, we had to wait 20 years. <laughs> they went with Electra because she'd just been in a movie. And they went with, um, right after that was... Uh, 
who was the second one? Phoenix was the Jean was, was Phoenix. The next one. Yeah, Phoenix yeah. was the Phoenix, second one. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we're such was... nerds. We knew that off the top of our yeah. the second female. Actually, no, no, that's a blatant lie. W- would Rogue have been oh, the second female? It would have been Rogue in the box set because she had the, she the, the box funky. Ele- I, I am sorry. To, I, I don't, I'm not insulting, but I'm going to call them the funky Electra thighs. Yeah, like, yeah. Had, I mean, yeah, yeah. But that was the first female. It was. It's really hard because. You're learning, we, we are just building this framing technique for the boys of how to build the joints. Now make those same joints inside of a female figure that is supposed to be, you know, like the expectations we put on women in real life. You're supposed to be this big, but it's still able to move in all the ways. And so it was very difficult. It was not, um, but we, you know, she might not be the perfect first figure, but they got better. Oh, they got way better. And trust me, that Electra is, is I, I've, unfortunately sold off most of my my toy biz legends as i've replaced them with with newer hasbro uh ones but there's a few there's several but most of the ladies i i have wound up keeping and electra that first electra i I, she's one that i remember you know where i was what store i i found her at who i was with i was like this is the first female they've done like i i you know i I joke about her 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 strange thigh cut articulation, but I adore that figure and have such like fond memories of her. That, she was a great beautiful. figure. She was better than the Marvel Select Electra that had come out. Oh, you for know, sure. years before. She was great. No shame on the Marvel Selects because they're releasing an Iceman recently that looks boss. But I remember loving that and the work you guys did. I, however, snatched up all the electrodes because she was a peg warmer to your point earlier, Sam, about, yeah. you know, female figures. And I tried to make a custom Emma Frost, which I have sent my photos of. And <laughs> if I can find, if I can find it, I'll throw it up in this episode. But uh, it was like a Frank, I did not have, I did not possess the talent. That you're not a customizer. I'm not a customizer. did not have that at all. But she was a peg warmer. She like, and trying to, try to get another female in there. After one sat there on the shelves, it was very much like, oh, God. So we had to be the right character. It had to be the most popular character. It had to be, you know. It's wild. I just did not experience yeah, these head-warming females. I, I, I only Electra. I know. I Only Electra, but I, even La Lunatica from, like, X-Men 2099 was impossible to find. I'm curious about... So you guys would have meetings, obviously, when you're doing character selections for any of the waves. You yeah, would be yeah. Like, you'd be like, oh, this female action figure is has to be distributed a certain way because if not, she's going to end up a, a peg warmer. And that was just yeah. industry standard? Yeah. It was industry standard completely across the board. It still is. I mean, there's there's still, they know exactly which ones they think will sell and which ones they think won't sell. And um, sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they just don't do enough of one character and they're like shit we could have i don't have a lot of swear on here oh, sorry you swear yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck 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 just swear yeah uh, uh it's hard sometimes you can't and uh but um yeah the, we have no sponsors don't worry <laughs> <laughs> no, no yeah i it was fun it was fun but we, we'd always have meetings full of uh random weird shit like color selection or or how many we're gonna put in a case or uh um variants variants was such a fun topic because we would have like okay we have we're doing the wolverine sculpt what color is this outfit going to be is it going to be this one or is it going to be this one and then can we have a mask or no mask or can we do this or that and um and how they would get distributed would be so random it'd be like one every 25 cases or one every 50 cases sam 
I love you so much, but fuck you and the chase figures. <laughs> oh my god, that Dark Phoenix chase figure! I think I would have sold a kidney for that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, and you, a, were you guys aware of how popular the chase figures were and oh, how yeah, people were going sure, crazy? For sure, we were aware of it, but it's like um. They wouldn't let us do more than that. And like, even when we order samples, we couldn't get chase figures in the office. We weren't allowed to. Like literally, I, I, one time I was at a store and I saw like literally at a random shop, like one of those on like, on Broadway up about, you know, nineties, like those old toy shops where it's like a, you know, mom and pop toy shop. Mm-hmm. I was in there with a friend and I looked over and there was a Wolverine with no mask on and it was $15. And I'm like, I'm buying that. And I kept the receipt because if it, if it came to the office, I'd take it home and I'd try to sell it on eBay. I would have gotten, somebody would have noticed it and the, I would have got fired if I didn't have proof that I bought it somewhere else because I wasn't allowed, you know. Um, so I bought it and I sold it for like $300. But I'm like, they, you just never knew when you'd show up and get one. Like if I could have ordered them into the office from China, I, you know, we all would have, but we weren't allowed to. For normal figures, could you order them from China and just have them come in? I'm trying to liken this to yeah. when I worked in book publishing. I could order whatever books I wanted, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, so we would call, We. I wish we had more power to like, we weren't allowed to cost it money. Like, you know, we could order an extra case of this figure, an extra case of that, something that's not costing them. But if I'm like, I always wanted to say, can you, you know, next time you have light blue in the mold, can you mold one of these? But they would cost them hours of having to change a mold out and make a special color, do it. But I'm like, I always wanted like to be able to customize my figures that way. Like, well, we haven't uh, made this character yet. So can you send me a, you know, purple this so I can paint the rest of this stuff on and make this character for myself. But that wasn't a thing they would do. I have relayed this story before on, on, on the podcast. And it is, I, I have to tell you, uh, the only time I ever found Chase figures IRL, it was, it was the greatest experience. I, it was like 3am at Walmart post, like the the gay club all right yes. post drag show post gay club covered in glitter i roll in probably you know not sober i thankfully i was not <laughs> the one driving and they had just put out a fresh case of one of those best of marvel legends walmarts yeah, yeah. and it had dark phoenix phasing ghost rider faking vision uh who else i mean it had it was it, it was all of them basically it dark did i say dark phoenix i'm gonna yeah. say her again because i probably text Paul or messaged Paul on MySpace at, at you ran back to your dorm for the time <laughs> ran back to your dorm and logged into MySpace and messaged me. He bought two of them. And there were there were there weren't two that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, and they were all for me, all for me. And I like <laughs> literally, I will never forget that story. It's one of my favorite collecting stories, just because like finding finding one would have been enough. Finding that Dark Phoenix would have been enough, but finding like five of them at the same time i i probably did cry i probably did to be perfectly honest with you but, but sam were you aware what at what point in the office i have to ask this were you guys aware that you had done something special that you had cultivated this new generation of collectors because really what so marvel legends started in 2002 by 2004 2005 people were hungry for these figures oh yeah we we, all, we knew pretty quickly the sales numbers really really good the stores loved it and just hearing fans online start talking about it and like start having discussions about you know um i mean i i knew we did good thing 
when the first prototypes from the first set were coming to us, because like I said before, I don't care about Toad, but that Toad was an amazing sculpt. It was like so hyper detailed compared to anything that had been done in previous lines. You know, it it did not look like just a flat. It was we were using new paint techniques where you just wash a color on stuff instead of instead of being painted in masks, and it was it was a beautiful line. It was a gorgeous. I mean, that toad in particular was gorgeous, and obviously they just re-released a different version of that toad for the twentieth anniversary here. But it has been a hallmark of the Marvel Legends series. Yeah. Twenty years. Oh god. <laughs> so I, I speaking, we, we we touched on chase figures. I, I do have to ask because obviously something like Dark Phoenix or or you know like a Phasing Vision that seems like a, a no brainer, but. Uh, the one that kind of did, I, I will admit, kind of got me was when it switched from like simple like color variants to unique characters like Goliath and Red Skull. What 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 was the thinking behind that? Because I think that may have drawn the ire of just a handful of of fanboys on the internet. <laughs> um, you'd have to ask Jesse Falcon about that because, um, or. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what the decision behind it was. What was it like uh, working with Jesse Falcon though? Sidebar. <laughs> um, Jesse's awesome. He's he is fun to work with. I mean, you'll never have a boring time with him for sure. Who is he uh, like he was like a stand-up comedian too at the time? I think people were talking yeah. that he was like on VH1 or something like that yeah, when been, I was in the office. He's been on a few episodes and stuff. He's um he still does some stand-up here in LA. Like oh, yeah. uh, we're not stand-up, but like um entertainment stuff. Have you um, seen him since he left Toy Biz? Um, yeah, actually, like, uh, like literally last week. I want to say it was last Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I was crossing the street, going to my friend's house who lives just down the block, and this car at the intersection honked its horn, and it was Jesse. <laughs> he yelled at them, like, "Oh my god!" Like it was good to see. You. Like so, um, we're, we talked about we're gonna have lunch sometime soon. I love that you guys are all in LA. Now. Everybody says that, but <laughs> oh yeah, that's not, I say that too. Thing. It's <laughs> such an LA thing. At least in New York, you're like, oh, it was great seeing you, and you move on. But like LA, it's like, let's get lunch sometime, and you're know, like, well, never. You mentioned earlier that you were sort of the advocate uh, in in the office for for the female figures, and I'm just I'm just curious. This is just me, you know, my obsessive collector brain uh, wondering. Why did we never get a single-carded invisible woman in the blue on blue to match the boys that had been released? Because she I, came out in that box set in the blue and the white. I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Um, I don't know why they chose not to do it. There's so many ones that we that we would say, like in meetings, of going, you know, we could have three different versions of her in one sculpt. You could have variants yeah. of like. I'm like, why aren't we doing this? Like, I don't. But they, the problem is variants of female figures is even harder than just a female figure as itself. It was like, yeah. you get one version of which one do you want? And um, and sometimes decisions were made poorly. <laughs> I don't know what to, what to say. We we all have regrets of stuff we've worked on going, oh, I wish I'd changed that. Or I wish I'd done that. Oh, I mean, I don't think you should have any regrets. Because personally, my my favorite FF costumes are are the blue and the white. I just remember at the time being like, "Well, why do we have a, an incomplete blue on blue?" I, you know, just a little nerd things that I <laughs> that I think keep me up at night twenty years later. Um, but I, I'm also curious, you know, um, when we got newer characters like like the Young Avengers or or X23, was that a desire from Toy Biz to like keep up with what was current, or was that like Marvel pushing you guys to include 
uh, characters that they were trying to promote? Um, it ha- I mean, it had to be a little bit of both by that time. But earlier, like in the first days before, before Marvel Legends was really taking off, we didn't have to answer to Marvel very much at all. We were our pretty separate we did our what we wanted to do we we were like we were there's no such thing as uh um quality control for us like it was like there was nobody going you can't do this and we would say we, we would be the we would be the deciders we, we would get a sculptor like we're gonna do this character with this is the sculpt yeah that sculpt's pretty good we didn't have to send it to anybody for approvals wow. and it was amazing so you know working in toys anytime you make something from another another company like when we made lord of the rings every time we make a sculpt you have to send it to new line cinema so if they could say yes we like it we'd send it back to us and we you know it would take forever but us we for anything we were making for for marvel characters we just it was our license we just say yes we're doing that yes we're doing that and it was great it had this that was really great power marvel was very different back then i mean i was only there for like six months but I remember like it was I, I've been I, at the time I had been in other offices that were a bit more put together. It's not it was, it's not the machine that it is now. I, fe- I feel like Iron Man one was just on the horizon when yeah. I was when I was there. So I can believe that no one there was no oversight on on these figures yeah. that you could just be nerds and do what you feel is best because that's yeah. like how a lot of it was ran. I mean, if, if there was a movie coming up or a big comic book event that we knew about, we would you know, lean towards those for sure. Cause it's free marketing is always a great thing. Cross cross market synergy as they call it, you know, we, um, we, it's a good thing, but um, we tried to put as many as we wanted to put in there, you know, try to get characters like, I mean, in the first wave there's Toad, <laughs> like why was he chosen <laughs> out of the thousands and thousands of Marvel characters? Why was one of the first four Toad, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I'm curious when you're, because uh, this is a random question that totally just popped into in, into my mind. So when you're when you're not having to get approval, when you're getting to make all of these decisions, uh, one figure that really sticks out to me, uh, one of my favorites in, in the Toy Biz Legends is is Storm, and I have to admit that is the first time I had ever seen that costume as black. It's the first yes. time I ever I had ever considered it might be black. And and then of course I go online and everyone's like, well, it's black and 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 shiny, and that's why it always looks white. I mean, what is your take on that? Are you part of the the team that decided no, this costume is black and not white? It's it, it was always black back in the seventies. It was black. It was always black. And so when the cartoon came out, to us who had already loved it as a black costume, we're like, it looks very white. And then, you know, we had the same thing like, Oh, it's the light reflecting on it. So it's supposed to be, it's black, but it's light reflecting. And then they started making white costumes on everything. We're like, okay, I guess it's white. You know, (laughs) we, we, uh, we were just, you know, we accepted it, but when it went back to black for us, it was like, it's black. That's what it's always been. Like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. I had always seen that <laughs> costume as white, and then the definitive storm figure of of its day was suddenly it it, it was colored as, as black, and it, it blew my my. my mind. <laughs> it blew my mind too. Them. It really did. It, it's so. I'm looking at the photos now. I'm sorry if I look distracted because I'm googling Jim Lee Storm. <laughs> yeah, it just it blew my mind too. I think 
I was one of the the first ones. Like, is that costume black as well? Like, we had that conversation in our MySpace, <laughs> or on the Foosh. We got into a fight with people on the Foosh.net. Right? Oh my god, <laughs> they're silver, actually. It's silver. We so Sam, you so you're a toy biz. I'm curious, was there ever a particular wave or figure that you are you're so proud of, even till this day you remember it, and you were just like, I'm I'm so glad I I. I, I produced that. Um, I mean, really, the Lord of the Rings are ones I think are the most amazing stuff. So it's not really X Men. So that yeah. feel, I'm, I'm it's sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's listen. It's most likely people who are listening to this are huge <laughs> Lord of the Ring fans as well, especially from that era. So let's hear it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, I just think they were all fantastic and magical, and like uh, the horse and rider ones were my favorite. Like they had a horse. It was a ring race. It was um, yes. at the head was this out of it. Like it wasn't and the Sauron figure. Oh my God. It was so tall and the rings and the fingers came off. I love that one. That ring race. I was going to say like, I, I, I think there's a flying one on like a the fell beast or, or something yeah, yeah. like that. I, I got that for like literally just like two years ago for my best friend for, for Christmas. And we were both sitting there just in awe of it the entire time. Just like, wow, yeah. this is amazing. And that toy is 20 years old now, probably. Yeah. I love it. The only Marvel, the only toy biz toy I still have is that storm, the 12 inch doll version, like the Mohawk one. That's the only one I yes. have. Yeah. Um, she's not out. She's in a box somewhere, but yeah. I love that's, it. That's my I favorite toy biz toy just because it's Storm and Mohawk. <laughs> I was into it. Pushed for the Mohawk Storm chase variant head because that one I did track down. Oh, there was, there was no need to push for that one. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I definitely advocated. Yes, I agree. Do it. You know, there, everybody was on board for that for sure. So speaking of, 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 you know, ways that, that Toy Biz kind of changed the action figure game, one of the most enduring things um, that Toy Biz did that, that Hasbro has, has obviously swiped, I think McFarlane did it uh, for a little while. I don't think they're doing it anymore, but that was the advent of the Build-A-Figure. Um, how did that come about? Who, who pushed for that? And, and how did you get something crazy like that approved? Well, that was the thing at the... At the time, we were all toy nerds, and we'd been buying like blind box things and you know toys imported from Japan and stuff like that. And we had tons of different things where you'd have to collect a part in this and a part in that to make something bigger. And I, I don't, I, it had to be Jesse's idea, but I don't, maybe not, because we in those meetings, you never knew where somebody would say something and like, oh, that's a great idea, let's try there, or, or let's look into that, you know, start do up a pitch and figure out a budget and see what what it is and. And um, somebody would just came up with it. And, but we definitely had a lot of those around the office before we ever, we stole the idea from somebody else is what I'm saying. It wasn't our idea, but um, but it wasn't a, like direct steal. It was more like, you know, it was in a different kind of thing. You know, like um, a lot of them were like, you know, keychains and it came with something else. So at the end you could build a, something. And and uh, so we just took it and swiped it for toys. Approval for that though, the hardest part is the molds. Like, can we fit molds together? Can we, can we, uh, what size, how much extra plastic can we use? So budgeting was the hardest part for that. But, um, and they made some great decisions right off the bat. I mean, the, the first, uh, Sentinel. Oh my I mean, God. Uh, they've, yeah. they've done bigger since then. I used to have like three of them too. And I'm like, I wish I still had them somewhere. Um, they, uh, I mean, in the scale to the, the toy, it still was too small, but it, felt so awesome it was so big and it was so chunky it just felt like 
you felt like a little kid was one of those giant toys. Yeah, it was epic. It was absolutely the Sentinel. Like I, you know, I'm a Fantastic Four fan, and I I love Galactus. So obviously, I was I was thrilled to to get him first out of the gate. But that Sentinel, oh, oh my god, as an X Men action figure fan, I can't because to that point, all we had had was the the kind of goofy one from you know from the early '90s toy band, and again changed. You know, it was revolutionary for its time. But that build a figure, and especially. The design you chose for it, the Mark Silvestri, yeah, it's and it's a unique one. It's Rover. It's not even just a Sentinel. It's Rover from Here Comes Tomorrow. It's a character in of itself. I love it. (laughs) I love it. But that's one of those toys where I'm like, I have a. I gave one of mine to a friend in New York, and when I was home visiting, or when I was in New York visiting just recently. I stayed one night at his house and I went to his toy room and it was standing there. And I'm like, oh, God, that's such a good figure still. I really felt like excited to see it. Like I hadn't seen it in a long time, especially in person. So I agree. That was like a, a thing that for me, I was like, wow, oh, we made that. It looks badass. Still to this day, looks badass. Like yeah. it, I, there's not a thing about it I would change. Well, awesome. speaking of things that I would have changed, one thing that happened to you guys, which was such a huge scandal, I remember was the series 11 scarlet witch i don't know if you remember but she was supposed to look a certain way and then you mentioned (laughs) this earlier china kind of like messes with the molds everything do you do you remember that scandal do you remember when that figure came in i remember not liking it (laughs) (laughs) no Um, one liked it no one liked it it's um sometimes scheduling just ruins you and it sucks because you know, I was so excited for that figure. It was, it's one of my favorite. She's one of those characters I love because she's had so many costumes and she's had so many uh, uh, storylines and she's been beat up kind of like uh, um, Donna Troy in the uh, Teen Titans. One of those characters that's been beat up over and over and over again. And I, I love it. I love her. Um, she has a special space in my heart. So when she finally gets a figure, like the first figure ever, and you're like, she looks terrible. I still bought her. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I bought like 20 of her. I, I bought 20 because she was originally not supposed to be released. She was going to be canceled, but I guess she still sort of made it out the door. I bought 20 of her and I found her once. I was like, this. no, I paid $150 for her on eBay. And Flink at the time was like, you're crazy spending $150. And then she popped up all over. Wait, you did you? I was your defender. I was your defender. I okay, you were my defender. You happy. But in DMs, you were like, that's crazy. It is crazy. Or time, it was crazy. Now, now we buy action figures at retail for one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So you um, know. The, the, and what you guys were saying earlier about chase figures, um, Lego, the little Lego man. It's not that hard to make him in big colors. They made a Comic Con exclusive Phoenix, like uh, yeah, four or five years ago. She yeah. sells for a thousand two hundred dollars for one. Lego minifigure. I'm Jean not buying her. I have Crazy. her somewhere. I wish I have her Shut somewhere. Up. Shut up. They gave her out at yeah, uh, New York Comic Con. I wasn't there. I didn't yeah, they one. gave her out at New York Comic Con. I, I have to find... My entire apartment is in disarray. I have to go look for her now. I'm pretty Shut sure up. I have her in one of my... I'm going to I'm well, gonna try to find her. If you want to sell her or you want to make a trade for something, <laughs> you let me know. Give me your first board. I got lots of art. I got art. I, I should yeah. show you this art. But You're so yeah. kind because if the tables were reversed right now, I would be like, bitch, remember when I gave you Mojo? Time to pay up. <laughs> <laughs> no, if um, I find her, I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you. 
I'll chat with okay, you. Okay, that's awesome. I'm like, oh. But I remember when they gave her out, and she didn't even come in the box. She came like kind of no, like in a, a paper. Little, a little yeah. case. Thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I'm like, come on, you're releasing one of the coolest characters in the in the Marvel Universe as a Comic-Con exclusive. You can't put her in a set. And they still have not put her in her set. It's been like five years. I'm like, come on. Like, what the? Just do it. It's not that difficult. Give us a gene. Give us, Give us gene. A gene. We can never stray too far from Jean here. We can never stray too far from Jean Grey. Our God playing Jean Grey. So, okay, so we, we sort of addressed the the Scarlet Witch that wasn't going to come out, but then did come out, that, like, looked the way that she did, but uh, <laughs> some, you know, that, that's... Yeah, I unfortunate? She looked unfortunate. <laughs> she did. She did look a little bit unfortunate, but um, some of the figures, you know, some of the things that didn't ever see the light of day was, like, Extreme X-Men Psylocke, uh, the Blue Wasp, the X babies, uh, the henchmen pack-ins, Juggernaut in his hero costume. Like how? What? What? What happened to these guys? They're they're they remain urban legends uh, in the Marvel le- uh, the Marvel Legends co- collecting community. A lot of times, a lot of times, what would happen is like so we're allowed to have six figures or six characters in the next line. Jesse would send out information and sculpture quotes for seven figures and he would just get an extra one sculpted hoping that somebody would say okay you can use that in the next line because you already have it sculpted it's done and so we would end up getting more like the, we had a balrog sculpted it was a huge freaking action figure we, but you know never used it but um so that happened a lot we just go we start with one and then it would just never get used and so there, there was more than a legend it was like prototypes and there were like you know there was plans to do it we wanted x babies so bad everybody in the office thought it was so cute we wanted x babies still dream um me too i would love that i would love it uh barbie should do that with the little the little barbie um you know the how the she's got stacy her little sister. they should totally do a line of x babies Um, i would buy them i would buy them too And then I would give them to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) You buy them and give them to me. I still do it though, because sometimes I will still fall when I when I go to the store. Like, oh my god, that is so cute. Oh, I should really buy that. Like, oh, like like, there's a Mariah Carey pop Christmas album. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, (laughs) own it. So stupid cute. I'm like, I I want it it just, but I want it for just this Christmas. I want to buy it, bring it home, and then as soon as Christmas is over, I'm like, okay, I got to give this to somebody else and just give it away. And I. I tend to do that because I'm like, I'm not going to keep it. I'm not going to. I do it with oh, Lego. She comes out every time. Christmas. I just want to build the Lego set. Can I build this? And then I'll give it to you already built. I'm like, do you want it? Um, Mar- Mariah comes out every Christmas in this house. She She's a permanent fixture. <laughs> Good. So, Sam, you guys are having such a fun time. I mean, it sounds like you guys were really tight there at Toy Biz. We were. Obviously, in 2006, 2007, there were murmurs that, you know, Hasbro was going to acquire the license. And then it was true. And around the office, they were like, well, you know, they're paying more than we would have ever made, stuff like that. What can you walk us through when Hasbro came into purchase? I mean, what was the situation there? Can you can you sort of give us that behind the scenes peek at, as to I what can happened? Give you like a, I can give you a little rear view mirror uh, and yeah. a little like because like. Um, at the time we didn't know exactly why they were doing it. You know, we, we were making good money. We were making awesome toys. We were making, we were, you know, we were selling and we were at the top of our game. We've been making more money every single year than the year before. 
like, what are they doing? You know, why are they getting rid of us? You know, um, it was very unsure. And they were talking about how we were going to move into other departments and how we, we would still work with them. And um, it just wasn't, we're like, we were unsure about what was going on and why. Um, looking back, we now know that Disney bought them. So it was a great business move. Like I said before, making toys is a risk. We made a lot of Hulk figures and they didn't sell. We had to give a lot of people money back and end up with a bunch of product that goes to like dollar stores and things like that. Um, losing money is not business. So um, um, having another company take all the risk and pay you no matter what, they pay you a licensing fee, they pay you, if they sell anything, you still get more money, you know, if, if they don't sell anything, we already got the money they paid us, you know. Um, it's very low Someone risk. And so, situation, yeah. Yeah. And so when you, when you know that, you know, that asset, that, that risk is part of your company, you'll get rid of the risk and Disney will buy us with, you know, one less, you know, liability. And so it was all getting towards the whole Disney purchase. It, you know, we didn't know that. I mean, the business dudes knew that, you know, they knew, they, uh, they knew it stock to trade, you know what I mean? But, uh, uh, we, we were uninformed, you know, like, so. Well, people always seem to assume that these mergers just happen out of the blue. You know, I remember no. when the Fox did. No, it, it's wild at how far years in advance this is. Yeah, yeah. it is. Not, there's no way anybody's like, well, that just happened. It, like, yeah. that's not how it works. No. Not, you are brainwashed because you do not know how the system works. Um, yeah, um, I don't think Disney yeah. just decided one day to wake up and spend $4 billion. Like, no, yeah, I don't. Exactly. It wasn't. Marvel's they were like, well, that movie did really well. Let's just give them lots of money, you know, like to buy them. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's it takes years. Well, so when that transfer of license happened, I, I think, were you guys going to do the Annihilus wave with Emma and Banshee? Well, so that's when I left the company. I was like, I don't, I'm... Oh, I got you. I don't, I don't want to... Um, we were unsure what was happening. We didn't know... Disney was going to take over and people were, you know, there was no more toy biz to do. And so we were doing brand assurance and things for other companies. We were still working with Hasbro because we were getting what we were, they would send us the thing. We'd approve it, say yes or no, tell them to change colors, give our direction. But then they were making the toys and I felt like I want to go make toys still. I don't want to just approve other people's stuff. I want to be creative. That's what I love doing. So I left the company at that time. So those last few waves I I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wait, you ended up, where, where did you go afterwards? Cause you ended up working with one of my friends, Ethan. I don't yeah. know if you remember him and yeah. uh, you guys were at the same company, but I'm forgetting where it yeah. was at. It was um global brands group. I want to say is what it's called. Yeah. And um, it was, um we made toys for Marvel and DC and hello kitty and Crayola and all, all the Disney and Pixar characters. And, spongebob squarepants and all the nickelodeon characters we had like 60 licenses it was crazy going from oh. just marvel to a thousand other kids shows having to watch kids shows and going this is uh this is i have to make a toy of this <laughs> the kids are into like, these days <laughs> but um yeah i don't miss that world mm. well i'm just curious were there you know we know you didn't have anything to do with those last few waves, but was there anything that you did work on or help develop um, that, that went unreleased that we still, you know, don't know about maybe? 
Give us an exclusive. <laughs> was was there a new X Men box set that was supposed to come out? The Stylish um, box set. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna say anything. I I don't know. I really don't. Uh, there were there were all kinds of. We would come up with box sets in the office. I like just grab five figures, going, "Hey, what do you think of this?" So we lay them on a piece of cardboard and put a fake window over it so it looks like a package, you know. And that's how it worked. You know, we'd go through a drawer going, "Oh, we, that's like four or five years ago. We could get that the other variant version of this and use that in the box set," you know. And, um, and we would just lay them out. And so, you know, there were ideas for thousands of box sets, you know. But um, yeah, I don't know what happened to us. Sorry. No, why would you apologize? So the other thing, and I, I can't remember if we talked about this before we got on, on the Zoom officially or once we hit record, but I remember when we were talking one day in the office, probably around Mary Sprouse's office. Do you remember her, <laughs> like the HR person? Yeah, but, yeah. But she, you, you were telling me, and I remember this conversation because it was mind-blowing to me, that when you're doing these figures, you're basing them off of some actors and their likenesses. And obviously, yeah. we have Angel, who looks like Brad Pitt from, from yeah. the wave you guys were all on. And you told me something about Emma Frost looking like Marsha Cross and all this um, stuff. So was yeah. that an approach you guys had in the around the it office? Wasn't on, it wasn't on purpose, like like going... But we did that for other series, too, like... um. David Vonner, one of the other designers on the floor, in one of the he was War Machine's face. You know, mm. it was just he worked on the figure and like we made him in his face. Damon Me was one of the other designers, and he um was in one of the Lord of the Rings figures. He was one of the elf guards, and we're like we would we would just you know put somebody's face in there, and you know um we did people we knew and we did celebrities. You know, you know, so this is a beautiful woman. Copy this face. Like this is kind of what we're looking. You know, if we had ever done a storm since then, we would have said, you know, look, this is a mod. Like, this is her face. This is what she's supposed to be, this giant supermodel, you know? Like, um, you know, we, we gave whoever we were liking at the time, too. So it was, it was just fun for us. But it wasn't like, you know, look, we were never told specifically to look for um, celebrities. And we can never make them look exactly like them because somebody might sue us. But <laughs> No lawsuits, please. No lawsuits, yeah. please. Not, it's not Chill. worth the risk chill so you know with with a little distance between between now and, and you know wrapping your time with toy biz how do you think the toy industry has changed since marvel legends existed and, and just since you have left that industry like i think they're um it's becoming us it's becoming a, such a weird market because i feel like less little kids play with actual toys it's oh, really agreed. weird it is my weird. nephews um, do not my nieces they, yeah. same thing they don't yeah it is i feel like it's sort of a dying industry in a weird way so it's only it'll only be collectors and that's why you're getting like he the he-man series that are out right now like they, they come out exclusive to adult collectors you know you have to order ahead of time you know they'll and they, they know they're only making three thousand of them instead of like three hundred thousand or half a million like we did for some of our figures like it is it's and so prices will go up because if we're only making you know yeah the prices go down the more you make <laughs> and so yeah you have to pay for a mold that costs thirty thousand dollars to make one figure then you you have to amortize that cost into all the other figures when you sell them so you, the prices go up and people are like why is this one figure you know forty dollars i'm like well <laughs> there's not enough people buying it sam last question all right marvel legends 20 years why do you think the line still resonates with fans 
till this day. Well, because X Men is like it really is right there. That's a way. That's the best answer right there. All right, good. Because but X Men, it really is. They're they're a family. We we have emotional connection to them as well as adventures with them, and they are. It's a family. It's a giant family, and you just want to keep building onto it. So it's amazing. I that's the reason the toy line works. And people like us are addicted. That that certainly helps. Oh, for sure. We are very addicted. We've stolen like childhoods because we're not letting anyone play with toys anymore because <laughs> uh, we're pre-ordering all the figures before the hit market. <laughs> like, I don't want to shame anybody saying don't collect, but I like, I gave it up for, for totally different reasons. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want anybody to feel bad that I was, you know, saying, you know, I, I you don't need this stuff. Um, I still don't think you need it, but if you want it, do it. I'm not shaming you. Live your life, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm living I feel, mine. I feel there will come a day. There will come a day. Because like you mentioned, you know, when you move with it so many times, it sort of, sort of becomes a burden. And I, you know, I, I don't foresee it being anytime soon. But I do, you know, I can definitely see how there might come a day where where my collection will start to decrease rather than just explode like like it is now and start maybe travel a little lighter. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But I totally get like everything you said completely resonates. Like it makes sense to me. You get to a certain point in your life where you you want to be free of these things and do new things and new opportunities and welcome all of that in rather than carrying around the same old stuff. There is a philosophical angle to that. I totally get it. Sam, where can where can folks at home connect with you? Legos, Marvel Legends. You're an artist. You know you do art. Basil, where can where can people blow up your DMs? Um, Instagram is probably the best place. Um, I I accept everybody as a as a, their messages. You know where it gives you like this person wants to message you. I'm like, of course they can message me. You know why would I say no? Um, yeah, Samuel Hatmaker. That's that's it. That's easiest. You can go to samuelhatmaker.com. I don't know if it's that exciting. It's a lot of my, like, it's mostly Lego work. There's none of my rest, my other portfolio. I don't even know where to find my other portfolio. <laughs> it's not, I don't keep up with it. Uh, like I make movie set pieces here. And so I have like this past week, I worked on um, Beauty and the Beast Live. I was making Gaston's chair with like giant horns and furs over it and stuff like that. And I'm like, I barely ever take a picture of the final product. I don't, I don't post those online. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just not very I hate social media. I'm not good at it. So, like, we, we obviously need to have you on again because we didn't even touch <laughs> like everything we could have spoken about. Oh, there's I've I've got a lot of stories. I'm an old person. <laughs> <laughs>